authority because that's the way he's set it up. Be a disciple of him, he says, and here are these other disciples and you've got to, you've got to relate to them. You've got to belong to his community. And if you've come along this evening, you're not a Christian, then this, the function of this is not to try and tell you that you are a Christian if you're not, but to say, if you sign up to be a Christian, then this is the sort of thing you sign up to be if you, uh, you belong to if you want to follow the Lord Jesus. And if you are a Christian, the aim has been throughout, hopefully, to encourage us to join together, uh, to encourage us to join and live out this big vision of God for the communities of his churches until he comes. And I think that the propulsion is it's a beautiful vision. And there's something rather lovely about belonging to this. And I hope we can sort of encourage one another in that. It's not, this whole matter of membership is not a matter of adding something to scripture which uh, is, is foreign to what scripture says, but to say yes to the things that the Bible has in the New Testament as main thoughts and main aims. So this is the first one, love, and this is just a cut and paste. Then, I keep on cutting out, don't I? So let's put this one there. Could you put this mic on as well, just so that it picks up when I... If I can have both of them, that'd be good. So, love, and the question was, does the Bible say a lot about love? And the answer is it says so much, it was difficult to put all of it in. So, Romans 12 is one of the classic passages, which we've just read. Love must be sincere, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we had the classic passage that we looked at, I think, the other week, that love is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the, the comment was that the New Testament breathes love. It's full of love. Uh, that's one of the things that shines out from the New Testament and the communities of the New Testament. It says that the, the community is based in the love of Jesus Christ and pays the hefty bills in love. There's a sacrificial element to love. And that was a, a very quick taste of that um, reflection we had those weeks ago on love. Is there anything that anybody would like to clarify about that? Because unless I preach the whole thing all over again, that's all I'm going to say on that one. The second one was the one about what is reformed. And I do you remember this? 
you remember this? Yeah. So, um, if you're deciding which church to belong to, what characterizes this church? Well, I'll go back a step and say it's evangelical, which means it is, it believes the Bible to be God's true word, and it believes that what that true word says is the gospel of Jesus Christ coming to earth, Jesus Christ being God and man, Jesus Christ coming to earth to die for our sins, Jesus Christ being risen from the dead, ascended into heaven. Um, there's a whole cluster of statements that we could make to describe the gospel. It includes the, the way of response, which is by repentance and faith. It says that being a Christian, you must be born again. Uh, it isn't just something quite external, like joining the AA or the National Trust. It's something very deeply internal by the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's what evangelical means. But on this particular sermon, I talked about what reformed means. And we looked at the two ways of looking at it. This way that says free will is the bottom line and determines everything. And this one says that God's grace is actually the bottom line, which determines everything. And we went through the, uh, the depth of sin, that human beings are blind, dead, rebellious, and can't do anything for their salvation, can't clinch their salvation, that Christ, fought by his cross, uh, is offered to everyone, but that his cross is not simply an offer and simply a gesture, but effectively secures the salvation of his people, that God calls people uh, with, on their ears with the external call of the gospel, but that God goes even further than that and whispers inside the heart of people so that they actually believe and turn, which is called the effectual call. Uh, we believe that, that faith it's not, quite, it's not quite saying Jesus died for me. It's not that the preacher urges people to believe that. But so much as that to urge people to put their trust in Christ on the basis of what he did, whether it's big or small or whoever or whatever, but he did it and we put our trust in what he did. So it's a, a faith in his person based on his action. Concerning the future... Uh, if it's free human will, people might choose not to believe. But uh, we are told that it's faith is a gift of God and we're then in his hands and no one can pluck us out of his hands and he wonderfully keeps us. Amen to that, yes. And he, uh, concerning choice and will, uh, we don't make free will the ultimate determining factor. People do have wills, they do have a faculty of choice, and the Bible engages with that. But when people choose, the secret reality of it is that they only choose God because he first chose them in a secret and mysterious way. Uh, but that's what Reformed doctrine says. So I won't stop and preach that one all over again, but was there any point that anybody wanted to clarify on that?
Okay, the third one that we looked at was, oh, sorry, there's a cash value to this. And the cash value is that this, having this as the basis of what is preached means that the ministry of the word, in all sorts of ways that that is done, uh, the building of the church and the preaching to the unconverted has a robustness and a humility which, which sort of colours the whole of that ministry. So it's robust because it's grasped the depths and mysteries and wonder of the whole plan of God in a way which I don't think this scheme does. And there's a humility because we know that it's God who's at work. It's all by his grace. And I think that's a very healthy um, thought that just colours the whole of of word ministry. So I just picked that out as a, a sort of um, implication. So the third one, which is what Chris preached on service, so I'm, I'm going by what I was told. Uh, it was on John 13, and I think uh, Chris said that Jesus had a servant heart, so I put in the word mind there as well. And he commands us, in that, in that passage it says, I, your master, have done this. Blessed are you if you do it. I think that's what it says. Isn't that one of the verses? So I've sort of extended that thought from the mind and the heart to the hand because it's a, there's a blessing of being a servant. And I've put there the implication of the beauty and loveliness of service. I think to be in a community of people who are committed not to look out for number one and to get as much out of other people as possible, but to be in a community where people are committed to serving, helping the others more than they help themselves. I think it's a rather countercultural, um, unusual sort of community to be in. Do you agree? Um, and it raises the question which group of Christians am I committed to serving and committed to serving with and it has that invitation let's serve one another that's what belonging is and that was number three did I do justice to your okay right that's uh, that's number three let's uh, let's sing something we're going to sing the servant king 396 we are saying I, I want people to bring that up uh, I by my sin can harm myself and them and that they have a right to rebuke me and that I have a duty to seek their best interests by rebuking them for their good so if my brother or sister is doing something sinful spiritually stupid, spiritually risky I don't say oh well that's their business I say, actually, we're in this together. So I need to find a way to speak to that brother or sister in a way which is um, most appropriate to bring them back, to cause them to say, I was out of order, I was wrong, this is a wrong point of view, I will seek to come back. And what, one thing I didn't point out was the 
splinter in the plank. Anybody tell us about the splinter in the plank? Julie, get there first. never understood that until you said that. Yes, that's right. Yes, I, I never understood that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Which points out what a spiritually demanding thing it is to, um, to try to challenge somebody else, to correct somebody else, to point out the splinter in their eye. It's not something we should just sort of do off the cuff. We should do, but with care. Um, so I didn't mention that at the time, but it's an important thing. That I have no right to live without concern for my effect on them and I have no right to live without concern to rebuke them for their good. And uh, uh, the summary point, that we live in a community and a body whose sinews and ligaments are responsibility and accountability, which is a sort of, sort of pseudo-biological metaphor to say that we are accountable to one another. We, we, we have that relationship with one another. So I won't, I, won't, I won't preach the whole sermon again. That was number four on accountability. Anybody want to clarify anything? I don't, I don't think it's... Uh, it is about life in this imperfect world. I, I don't think that Jesus would mean we would have to be perfect, otherwise none of us... None, that would just be, be entirely hypothetical. But I think it is saying, just look at ourselves first. You know, if, you, if you've ever taken a splinter out of somebody's eye, the corner of your handkerchief which you lick, or get them to lick, and then you go like that. You know, you really need a, a lot of care, don't you? And if you can't see properly what you're doing, you, you're going to hurt their eye. I think that, that's the point. It just, just sort of brings us up to think, do it, but do it carefully. It's only me who's ever licked a corner of a handkerchief. and Perhaps my mum did that, I think.
Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's... In, yeah, it w I suppose our gut reaction to different, for different people's issues is just going to vary from person to person, isn't it? So some things we might say, oh, well, that's what people do, or others might really affect us. I don't think that forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us is, is linked to specific sins. I think it's more that aspect that he's forgiven us, so who are we to hold, uh, hold a sort of grudge against uh, brother or sister? And what you say is very important because there are some things that we're not... Um, <laughs> The, 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 the emphasis is that we forgive people rather than that we try and um, get back at them or something like that. So there's a, there's, a, there's a subtlety about the way we relate to another. We're not all supposed to be just constantly going around hauling one another up on this or that. Um, yeah. Anything else on that, Steve? Let, let, let me say a. Because that's what we are. When we come around the Lord's table, we're saying we're all sinners and we all need the broken body and the shed blood. So, one of the things that I remember somebody saying last week was if you were Harvey, how do you pronounce his name? Weinstein? Weinstein? We, wine? Weinstein, okay. Everybody's out to get you if you're Harvey Weinstein. Your name is Mud, isn't it? And every place you go, people will say, we're not as bad as you. You're an awful man. There's only one place that he could possibly go where people by policy say, join us because we're all sinners. We all need forgiveness which is the Church of Jesus Christ. That's not saying we would condone his sin, because we don't condone our sin, do we? But we would say, if you have the heart to come to the same Saviour that we've come to, join us, because we're all sinners, and we've found forgiveness, and here's a place where you can be on a level ground with everybody else. 
Because every other community, they're saying, we look down on you because you, you are so much worse than we are. It's, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? it? What a challenge that would be if he <laughs> came through the door this evening. Um, I mean, there are all sorts of things to be working through. But do, do you get my point? That uh, of all the places, of all the communities, only the church welcomes sinners because that's what Jesus did. He's interested in sinners like a doctor is interested in sick people. Um, right, the next one was supposed to be... Can I move on from accountability? Yeah, Rosemary. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, uh, the... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, thank you. The next one was gifts, so I think I've got this out of order. Oh, I've just put in there informal discipline and formal discipline. So the discipline of the church is not simply the nuclear option of telling it to the church and the church and the person being excommunicated if they won't listen to the church. But there's all the stages in between and all the various forms that can take. So I think our membership service rightly includes informal discipline, meaning a little quiet word or whatever, which n nobody else may, may even know about. Um, we have lots of... Yeah, there we go. Right, are we okay with that? Thank you. Now, I've got this out of order. So the, the, the last one was gifts, and the passage that I've put up there is Romans 12, which we read. And to summarize, the Christian church, global and local, I think this is a global thing as well as local. We're not very good at the global aspect of this. Global and local is meant to cooperate in unity. Oh, I put co to operate in unity and cooperation like a body with many parts. Uh, that's how it's meant to operate. And the contribution of each part is also known as a gift. I think the two, two thoughts are interchangeable. And from the 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, we get a very strong emphasis that we're not just talking about management, we're talking about love. Because whatever gift I have, if it's not used in love, it's nothing. It's a very striking statement that Paul makes about very great gifts, but if, if there's no love, it's nothing. And his, the point he also makes in that passage that no part is too weak or humble or lowly to belong. So it isn't just the gifts aren't just the super gifted people, um, the super qualified people, but nobody is omitted. We can't say to anybody, I have no need of you, can't be bothered with you. So it's a very important teaching, isn't it, that? And uh, he also says in the 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, my understanding of it is that his 
fundamental principle there is that building the body is by means of understandable speech and it's understandable speech that is the particularly desirable work of the spirit and I think that's the uh, his, his main point in 1 Corinthians 13, 14, 15 anybody want to I'm not going to preach that one again either but anybody want to come back on that or ask a clarification. Super. Right. Um, now then, I've got, I've got these slides out of order. So my question was, did I, had I planned a song? Let me go back. Yes, I had. 548. So here's a question, what points of upbuilding can we make? In what way can we encourage one another? Uh, see, I've strayed into the sea, haven't I? How can we build one another up in our, our, our practice, our thinking, our attitude to belonging to one another? And see, the encourage one another. Hebrews 3, no, that's not, I put 3.13, but I think it might be 13.3. Let's see if we can find this one. It is... It's neither of those. This is the one where it says, encourage one another so much the more. I think it's 10.25. Yeah. If you take 10.24 and 25, it says... Let us consider how we may spur one another on. I was looking for a one another. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And he's saying that there's something about the meeting which is an antidote to um, forgetting, falling away, carrying on in sin, um, making shipwreck of our, our lives. So it's, it's quite a strong thought, isn't it? Let's encourage one another as we see the day approaching. So, fairly wide range there. Is anything that, that can, anybody would like to share with us? Um, for clarification or for upbuilding or to encourage one another, as it says here. Is it? Yes, please. Ah, right. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes. Oh, it was right. Encourage one another daily, so long as it's called. Yeah, I, I didn't think that's the one I'd written down, but it is, isn't it? it? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Thank you, that is the right one. Okay, I'm going to sit down and uh, see what people have to say, if anything.